A few months ago, I allowed three of my grandchildren to have a garage sale on tables outside my gate. They looked over items I'd decided were surplus to my needs and costed them with little white sticky labels and arranged each item attractively on tables. And then they waited for people passing by to purchase. I had as much fun as they did watching them decide on prices. Oh my goodness, were those expensive earrings I bought in Rome really worth $1.50 now? <laughs> Observing those that stuck to the task and watching those that bartered for sales, it was quite a lot of fun. I can imagine the traders and the money changers were similarly full of anticipation on the day Jesus walked into town as they set up their tables in the temple with items labelled, although it may have been a little bit difficult to label the sheep and the cattle and the doves. And their money, of course, was ready. And then out of left field in today's reading comes Jesus with the whip he had made out of strips of leather, uh, sweeping coins left and right, upending tables and demanding that those around him, as the Message Bible puts it, get your things out of here, stop turning my father's house into a shopping mall. No wonder the merchants were indignant and angry at what was happening to their livelihood. And no wonder Jesus was angry at how the temple, the focal point of the Jewish religion, was being completely undermined by the actions of people who were part of the temple team. There was certainly a great deal of anger filling the atmosphere on that day over 2,000 years ago. Over the past couple of weeks, we have seen many of the team of 5 million similarly angry with the behaviour of some members of the team in respect to the transmission of COVID-19, despite the fact that mixed messages about self-isolating have been given and messages are now seen as difficult to understand, even if English is your first language. When we think of anger, we need look no further than the anger generated by questions around the treatment of people of colour around the world especially when recorded videos are placed online showing brutality towards innocent people. I know I am sometimes moved to anger myself when I feel there has been some sort of injustice, be it around housing, treatment of people who speak out for a fairer society, or people suffering mental illness um, who are shot or injured. And I was moved in a similar way when I heard recently of the lack of food security in New Zealand, with the Auckland Mission recently reporting from their research that 20% of households in New Zealand are currently facing food insecurity. We have plenty of food in New Zealand, but it is not getting to people who cannot afford to put food on the table. There are indeed many issues to feel angry about. Just as just as Jesus felt angry about the people using the temple building as a market, which undermined it as the Lord's house. At times as Christians, we fear that to allow anger to creep into our life is to become less like Jesus. Clearly from our reading today, that is actually not the case. Jesus demonstrates fury at injustice. Jesus, in anger, flipped over the temple tables Rejecting that anger often leads to bitterness 
or hatred of others, or to feelings about a particular group of people which undermines our own feelings of peace and security. Tapping into a righteous rage, just as Jesus did when things are definitely not right with the world, has been demonstrated by Jesus to be acceptable. Even more than acceptable, the right thing to do, to right wrongs. The dignity of creation demands our emotions when there is just so much injustice in so many issues that seem unfair in our world. As I read the account of Jesus at the temple, his anger is palpable in the biblical account and in our world. And so I ask, who are the other enraged voices crying out from the temple with Jesus? Who are the angry warriors in our church, in our community, in our country, in our world, who have the courage to stand with Jesus, pointing to injustice and shouting, stop? Do I hear the voice of Christ in this anger? Not only the anger I also voice, but the anger I must bear, the anger that names me, my privilege, my silence, when I don't speak out for injustice and what I believe is unfair and wrong. In this new era of life and faith, the area which will forever be called in history the COVID-19 global pandemic era, we should not be afraid to get back to that foundational union of God with us, God within us, and we with each other to make a positive difference in this world. It is the divine presence that we model. When we care enough about others to be angry at what is happening in our community and in our world. In our gospel reading, for John, the cleansing of the temple is a metaphor, a picture he is painting for us about the whole ministry of Jesus in its totality. John's understanding is that Jesus came to renew the Jewish faith, to challenge the way people viewed God and to bring passion and purity back into the worship of God. That passion and purity has be, had been lost for a long time, as some would claim the passion and purity is again being lost in our challenging world today. The act of Jesus at the most sacred building of the faithful was an act of disruption, not disrupting the events of that day in the temple, but an act of disruption that cut to the core of people's faith and all it stood for. This is a moment of crisis, not for the dove sellers and the money changers. There would always be more doves to sell and more currency to trade. This was a moment of crisis for the people of God. Jesus was saying that the old way of doing faith was no longer appropriate, that the heart of faith had become lost in ritualism, that it was passion for God that had been sold out, not pigeons for sacrifice. Jesus was confronting the people of God with a deeply uncomfortable truth. This was a moment for them to reassess themselves. Was it enough for them to be tied to this ritualism, or did they need to find the heart of their faith once more? In his actions on that day, Jesus was acting as prophets before him had acted, 
prophets such as Micah, who hundreds of years before Jesus was born, had written, Will God be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? God has told you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I'm struck by the timelessness of this message. Jesus was also acting in line with the prophet Amos, who challenged Israel with these words from God. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, says God, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. As I read that, I remembered that the uh, minister who was conducting the marriage of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle said just those words, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And Jesus was acting in line with the prophet Jeremiah who proclaimed, do not trust in the deceptive words, this is the temple of the Lord, but act justly. Do not oppress the alien, those who are different to you the orphan and the widow. Do not go after other gods, then I will be with you in this place. The prophet Micah knew, the prophet Amos knew, the prophet Jeremiah knew, and Jesus knew that true faith can never ever be expressed through empty rituals, but that the rituals we undertake must be an expression of real worship of our lives. Justice kindness, humility, non-oppression, care for the marginalised, faithfulness and righteousness. But by the time Jesus visited the temple on that day we heard about today, the rituals had become rituals of discrimination. Jews in the inner court, Gentiles in the outer court, men in this section, women in that section, sacrifices for the poor that they could afford sacrifices for the rich that they could afford. This made Jesus angry, and as a prophet, he had to make a stand. Our true worship is worked out through the week, Monday to Saturday, as we care for the vulnerable and the weak and the hurting, as we model the forgiveness and patience of Christ. That is our worship. That is the worship God requires of us. And what we do on a Sunday is summing all this up, a bringing together of all that we have done. In a few moments' time, we will come together to share Holy Communion, and we will hear the words of Christ at the Last Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. Do what in remembrance of me? Show compassion for one another. Forgive one another. Pursue justice and mercy this coming week as we protect the rights of the vulnerable. Challenge the politics of greed and overconsumption in our materialistic world. Think carefully before judging others, including around behaviour in COVID lockdown. Use our anger, as Jesus did, to make this a better world where all are safe from COVID-19 and all other challenges that people face. Do that in remembrance of him. And then the bread and wine 
instituted by Jesus just before his death on the cross, will be a symbol of us being on Christ's team in union with him and, with, and will be full of meaning. At times it seems we all would prefer the absence of tension to the presence of justice. Yet the way of Jesus is to tear down boundaries, to turn over tables, to march in the streets, to work for positive justice in all times and in all places. We need to stand against violence wherever it's seen, especially on our streets and in our homes, and to stand for justice in our under-resourced mental health and addiction services, our broken prison system, and in how much black lives matter. We need to call out our culture of gender violence and sexual assault. It's not up to someone else. We can take heart in the actions of Jesus in turning over the tables, and we can employ a constructive and righteous anger that stands out against injustice and stands for flourishing of all people in all places. And to God be the glory. Amen.